Welcome to the Mount Zion Wesleyan Church Podcast. We hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and inspires you to step into the life God has for you. For more information about our church, visit us online at mountzionwesleyan.com. You may be seated. Hey, we are so excited to have Dan Seaborn joining us from Michigan this morning. There he and his wife, who have been married together for over 40 years, they have four beautiful children. They have a grandson who is nine years old named Jackson. And Dan is the founder and the president at Winning at Home. Dan is a somewhat local boy. He grew up down the road in Six Mile, South Carolina, attended Southern Wesleyan University, later attending Indiana West. Wesleyan University where he received his master's there. He met his wife, Jane. And more than all of that, because all of that is, is pretty, pretty impressive, but more than all of that, Dan is a good man. He is a good man who loves a very good God. And this is what I know and what I have come to know about Dan, that his passion and his desire is to pursue Christ Jesus with all of his heart and with all of his energy, that he wants to live and to love and to lead like Jesus. And you are truly blessed this morning to be encouraged and to be inspired by the words and the message that God has given him. So can we give a very warm Mount Zion welcome to Dan Seaborn. Thank you, Luke. Oh, thanks, man. Thank you, I appreciate it. Thank you, Luke, too. Well, good morning, Mount Zion. It is good to be here. And uh, probably you won't remember this, but last time I was here, the week after, you shut down for COVID. I did not bring COVID this time. Uh, I'm so glad to be here. I am not here with my wife, Jane. She is home, not feeling the best, but I don't travel alone. So a friend of mine, Mark, is here with me and just so grateful for this privilege and opportunity. And I want to say a couple things. Greeting online. My daughter and I were just texting. She's watching online. Good morning, Christina. And so, so, so thankful for just the opportunity to come and preach today. You know, I, I'm observing like how you have grown, how the Lord has blessed you uh, since last time I was here, just seeing just the sheer number of people here this morning and, you know, talking with Luke and just hearing his messages and what he's been preaching on, et cetera, and that you're in an environment right here at Mount Zion where he's preaching from the word of God. He's preaching straight from the Bible. And I'm just telling you, I travel around the country. There are places that aren't preaching the Bible anymore. And the foundation for our faith, the, what, what gives us security? The teens in this room, the kids in this room, what gives them security is adults who have a foundation based on something that is an opinion. It's based on something in the, in the, grounded in the Word of God. So I'm just really thankful and I celebrate Luke and Jessica, the whole team here, their faithful commitment to the Lord. So I don't know where he's at. He doesn't know I'm going to do this. But can you just thank him and and give him a thank of of the Lord guiding you with him? I was here last night, uh, did a little marriage gig. And then tonight we're going to keep talking about marriage. For those of you who are married, if you halfway like what I share this morning, come back tonight. I'll talk a little bit more. I'm going to talk about how to cast our cares in, in our family life and our marriage life on the Lord and how to let him help us with those. And that's what I'm going to talk about this morning. I'm going to share a verse of scripture with you that you go, oh yeah, I know that. Some of you might have it even on, you know, something, a placard or some type of thing on your wall because it's a verse many of us claim as part of our life verse. So many times I'll, I'll go to a baptism or that sort of thing and the person will share their testimony and they'll talk about Jeremiah 29 and 11. And this morning... I'm going to shift your thinking 
about that verse. If you know the verse, it talks about God knows he has the plans for us, plans to prosper us and not to harm us. But I'm going to tell you, we don't understand what the verse means. And this morning, I'm going to share with you how the Lord has shown me what that verse means. It's not been through fun. It's not been through easy stuff. I actually understand more what the passage says. And today, if you're here, like one of my prayers is that you're, you're 10 years old, that you'd be able to take this verse and go, man, that makes a lot of sense. And all I'm going to do, I'm literally going to use the back wall there. I'm going to bring the passage up on the screen because another thing that I've been feeling in my life post-COVID is just show the audience that the Word of God speaks for itself. I don't need to say anything. Just reading God's Word, you can find truth. And that's one of the things I want to show you today. The verses literally one by one are going to come up on the screen. I'll explain them. But you'll see that the verses speak for themselves. So we know Jeremiah 29, 11, Most of us know that verse. I'm going to start with Jeremiah 29, 10 because it gives us the real reason we have 29, 11. So verse 29, 10, Jeremiah coming up on the screen says this. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. Let me explain that. Let me give you the context of that. The Israelites from Jerusalem had been kidnapped and taken as slaves, literal slaves, in Babylon. They were doing whatever the Babylonians told them to do. They had no freedom. They were simply doing and taken as slaves to serve the Babylonians. And there were two preachers, if you will, two prophets. So I'll use today, there was a good prophet and a bad prophet. So just take like, let's say it was Pastor Luke and me. I'll be the bad one. So the bad prophet comes out and says to the Israelites, listen, you've been taken into captivity and this really stinks, but you're not going to be in captivity long. You'll get out real soon. Just, just know this is a short period, no big deal, probably less than a year. You'll be fine. Hang in there. Jeremiah comes along. And as you can guess, Jeremiah said something different. And since his name is the one that made it in the Bible, what he said is actually true. Jeremiah said to the Israelites, who were slaves, didn't want to be in Babylon serving as slaves. Jeremiah, their preacher, said to them, like it would be saying, me saying it to you this morning. He said, it's not going to be a quick fix. You're going to be slaves here for 70 years. Some of you... We'll never leave there. First service today, I asked everybody around 70, you know, let me see who you are. There's a lot of them. And I said to them, your whole life, you're never going to get out. And Jeremiah said to the people, build your houses there. Raise your crops there. Have your children there. You're not leaving. Plan on being there a long time. The Israelites, no, we don't want to be in slavery 70 years. I know you don't. But you're going to be. And it's after that context. It's in that setting. Right after God tells his people. 70 hard, hard, hard. You don't want years. It's right in that context. That we get Jeremiah 29, 11, Which simply says. The reason you're going to go through this. For 70 years. Watch. Is because I know the plan I have for you. Plan to prosper you, not to harm you. Oh, let me tell you why in our culture and in our world, people pick this verse. You ready? That word right there. 
we love prosper. We love plenteous. We love the easy life. I call it easy street. When we read that verse, we go, oh, man, I'm not going to go through any hard times. God's going to be good. His favor is going to be on me. It's going to be awesome. There are even some televangelists who preach that way. They really bother me. Because God's saying to his own people, you're going to go through hard times. You're going to go through them for 70 years because I want to prosper you. We go, what? That's not what prosperity is. Prosperity is me making it. Prosperity is I finally get the good life. Prosperity is what I read about or see on TV when I watch about those multi-million dollar men. That's prosperity. That's what I want God to give me. And so for generations, even in the church, we have defined prosperity as easy street. I don't have any issues. My kids are all doing great. I got bumper stickers all over the vehicle to prove it. I, I don't have any needs. I don't have any wants. I've got zeros in my bank account. The world says, I made it. And we read that verse and think that's what it means. And I want to say to you today, I, I challenge your thinking. If you've been taught and raised that way, I want to show you something. My Savior, Jesus, did not live that life. you got to go about as far as you can on the stage of life to the other side to say to yourself, hang on a second. He was cursed. He was mocked. He was made fun of. He was ridiculed. He was beat. Everybody called him a liar. If you look at the life of Jesus, you don't go, now there's prospering. It's painful. And we have bought into this thing that getting to this good life and everything going my way and all my, all my posting is likes and everybody thinks I'm cool and I fit in and it's great. We see that as prospering. And I think we've been thinking the wrong way all along. I stand here at the age of 62 and I tell you that, you know, when Jane and I met down at Tysinger Gymnasium on Southern Wesleyan University, if you had told me, I, I, I proposed to her there, I remember, I went out back, there's this little constellation, I, she asked her to marry me, she said yes. I, I will tell you, I had no idea of some of the days that would come our way that I wouldn't pick. I, I just assumed I'm going to get married and it. It's going to be easy, straight. It's going to be good. I'm getting out of some of the stuff I grew up with. I start my own house. And it's just, I'm just, I'm just going to prosper. God's favor is just going to be on me. Now, don't get me wrong. It's okay to be blessed. It's, it's a wonderful thing that some of you have plenty. Bless you. It's awesome. But don't you dare. Don't you dare tie your value or tie your success to this. Because our Savior Jesus, let, let me remind you of one of his prayers, okay? He prayed this. Give me, Lord, today my, my daily bread. 
Like that's how he taught us to pray. He said, say, give me my daily bread. Let me, let me show you our prayer. We don't pray, Lord, give me my daily bread. Ready? I'm, I'm guilty of this. Sometimes, Lord, give me my daily bread. And can you give me like a little surplus? Because I like, I like security. And Lord, when I have two zeros, it, it's, I just feel more secure. Like, then, Lord, I won't have to worry. And then, you understand, if I'm not worrying, then I'm just doing better. And, and if I don't, it, it, it's just easier, Lord. And I got I to just speak for Dan Seaborn. It was not here. It was not in my moments of incredible blessing that I look back at my life and say that I grew. That's not where I got deeper. It's where I had comfortableness. It's where I had some easy streetness. But it's not where I grew. It was over here that I grew. It was over here when I was going through tough stuff. It was over here when I couldn't sleep and I'm crying out to the Lord saying, God, will you help me? God, God I, don't, I don't know how to figure this out. I, I need you. Oh, I need you. How often? Every hour. Is it possible, like I propose a thought to you this morning, is it possible that prosperity is actually anything in your life that draws you to need Jesus more? Is it actually that's what prosperity is? Your dire situations? Your crappy spots? Is it possible that's actually prospering? When Luke was introducing me just a few moments ago, he said, you know, we, have, we actually have seven grandkids. My oldest, his name is Jackson, Chrissy. His mom is the one that's watching right now. When Jackson was one, um, because of a deformity on his leg, he had to have his leg amputated, taken off. Very painful day. I still remember. Chrissy remembers this well. Glad you joined this morning. I, know she, I was standing over there during worship, and she just texted me, and I told her where I was at, so she's joined this morning. But she remembers this day well. We arrived at the hospital, little boy, one-year-old, going to have his leg cut off. <laughs> Anybody who says, oh, that's the day where you look and go, this is awesome. No. No, it's that day. It's a day of, why? Are you, are you sure, God? Like, you got a, you got a plan here, right? Because this sucks. I don't like it. I don't want this. I, I would rather not know this, Lord. I would rather my daughter not go through this with their little boy. He goes, he has the surgery. So Jackson's nine now. That was at one. He's nine. He has a little prosthetic. If he walked in here, walked up on stage with me, especially if he had pants on, you wouldn't know it. He does great. But it's not always easy. A while back, probably two months ago, he had spent the night at our house on a Saturday night. Chrissy, I don't even know if you know this. I don't know if I told you. But I woke up Sunday morning. I'm about to go preach. Um, locally I didn't have to get on a plane or anything I usually travel but it was a local area so I was just preaching in the area and I'm in the bathroom I'm shaving getting ready to go and I hear Jackson he's nine I hear him crying in the living room I'm like it's not 
he it's not like him. He doesn't cry, that kind of thing. So I'm like, what's going on? So I yell out, hey, babe, Jane. I was like, Jane, is, is Jackson, Jackson okay? She said, oh, he's struggling today, Papa. So I walk out in the living room and go, J-Man, what's up? He was laying on the ground. He didn't have his little prosthetic on. He was just laying on the ground. And uh, I laid down beside him. I laid down right beside him. I said, Jackson, what's, what's going on, man? He's like, Papa, why did God give me this leg? I don't want this leg. I want a regular leg like you. Now, I'm a realist. I'm not one of those preachers that go, well, God. And I don't do I just said, Jackson, I can't explain it all, buddy. I don't get it either. If I could give you, well, you probably wouldn't want it, but I'd give you this 60-year-old leg if I could. It wouldn't work any better than what you got. But I don't know, Jackson. But I got to tell you, buddy, um, I do think God has a plan here. I trust him enough to believe that somehow he's going to use this little leg somewhere in your life. Now or whenever, I just believe he has a plan. Now, I'd love to fix it. I would love to be able to have the faith that prays and it grows. God has a plan bigger than me. He could do that. If he chooses not to, fine. It is what it is. So I said to him, hey, I'm going to preach this morning. Go where I'm preaching. Listen to the sermon. See if there's anything in there that maybe encourages you a little bit related to your leg. Just ask the Lord today to, to show. He's nine. He gets this. you 10-year-old sitting in here. You get what I'm preaching right now. I'm not preaching concepts that you go, I don't understand. That's over my head. You get it. If you're eight or seven in here, you know what I'm saying. It makes sense. Life sometimes deals stuff to you, and you already at the age of seven have had to go through something that you go, I don't like it. Life. So I get up, I pray for him, hug him. I don't like that. I don't, I don't like the moment. I, I wish we didn't have that. I, I wish he didn't have that leg. But he does. So fast forward, I preached. We did. Me and him ended up driving to the restaurant that we were going to lunch at with the family, and he rode with me. He's sitting in the driver's seat, and he even, I mean, sorry, not the driver's seat, the passenger seat. <laughs> if he's driving, we've got a whole other issue to be praying about. <laughs> so he said, hey, Papa, there was something in that message this morning. God did kind of show me maybe he has a plan for my leg. And I was like, dude, that's awesome. So Jackson's been playing soccer this year. Uh, if you saw him play, you would, it's, it's just... You know, I know his mom too. I know for me, when I go watch Jackson play soccer, because I figured that day when his leg got cut off, I just figured we're, we're a sports family. I, I just figured he wouldn't be able to do a lot of sports. He kills it. In fact, it's funny to watch him because he will use that fake leg to kick the ball or to kick the shin of the opponent, and that is very painful. I'll say to him, dude, that's going to hurt their shin. He's like, I don't care. I'm like, hey, you go, buddy. But... You know, he does well. He dribbles the ball with that foot. It's pretty, pretty amazing. Well, on this particular soccer day, he scored two goals. And, and I was telling him afterwards, dude, you scored two goals. And that's pretty stinking crazy you did that. And Papa's going to take you to Target, and we're going to buy $20 or $10 for each goal. We're going to buy $20 worth of something. So we go to Target. We're walking through Target. <laughs> we were just walking toward the back of the store. I asked him what he wanted. He said, I want to buy $20 worth of V-Bucks. 
because I want to buy skins. If you don't know what that means, you're old anyway. So, so I said, dude, whatever you want, I don't care. Let's get it. So we're walking back to the store. And he stops me. We happen to be walking through the ladies' intimate area, just happened to be in that particular area. And he goes, Papa, stop. I was like, here? You know, like, no, we need to keep going, buddy, V-Bucks. You're, not, you're nine, but not yet. You know? So he goes, no, Papa, I have a question for you. I said, what is? He goes, you know what would be cool? I said, what would be cool? He said, we'd be really cool if I had everything in this whole store. And especially where we're standing, I'm thinking, okay. But I said, why, why, Jackson? What would that do for you? Watch this. He's nine. He said, if I had everything in this whole store, I just, I wouldn't need anything. I'd just be good. Even nine-year-olds buy into a philosophy that just get comfortable. This is success. This has made it. We all like it. I, you say, well, Pastor, yeah, I do too. I like comfortable. I got a little yellow Jeep that I bought that I love. I ride around it. I crank my music. I'm a thumper. I got that. I love, it's comfortable. I like it. And I looked at him and I said, Jackson, that's interesting. You, you would just love to just have it all so you could be peaceful. He goes, yeah. And I looked right down at him. I did say, let's keep walking <laughs> to get out of that section. I said, let's keep walking. I had my hand on his head, and I said, Jackson, I want to ask you. This is going to be a really hard question, Jackson. Okay. I said, here's my question. In your life, if you had to pick, if you had to tell me, and pick between having everything in Target... Are having the leg you've been dealt in life, which one of those two makes you call out and need Jesus the most? And he looked right up at me, looked right up at me and said, oh, Papa, that's easy, my leg. And I said, well, Jackson, I know this sounds crazy, but maybe your leg is one of your greatest blessings. Because having all this stuff in the store will never replace what Jesus does for you. I love you, buddy. But maybe your leg's a good thing. Maybe this crappy thing that I'm facing in life is actually prospering me because prosperity is anything that pushes me close to Jesus. And I'm not giving you my opinion. I'm showing you because look at verse number 12. The next words are then. You understand what he's saying? After 70 years of living there and going through all that junk you're going to go through, what's going to happen during that time? You will call on me. God is saying, over here with the blessings, what you had in Jerusalem, you kind of bailed on me. You kind of started serving false gods. You started building golden calves. So I'm going to let you be in a place and let you face some stuff. Look at the action words. You will call on me. You will come to me. 
you will pray to me. <laughs> any any of y'all in a situation today, your marriage, your family, a kid issue, where you're like, God, I don't, I don't know what to do. Like I tried all the stuff. I've, I've Googled. Every, I've done everything I know. I, I don't know what to do. And I want you to look at the last words in this verse. This is not Dan Seaborn. This is not Pastor Luke's words. This is God Almighty's words. Look what he says. I will listen to you. Hey, seven-year-old in here today, when you talk to God, he's listening. Hey, 70-year-old in here today, when you talk to God, he's listening. And you say, but Dan, I've been praying for 10 years. Okay, just based on the scripture here, you only got 60 more left. <laughs> we put time management on God. God, look, you know, I'm going to come to you, but you, you know by next Friday I need an answer. I get it. I've been there. And I say to you today, God is looking for us to bring whatever you're dealing with this morning, whatever it is you're dealing I don't know you. Pastor Luke and I did not discuss any of you and your family situation, but I'm guessing in a group this size, place is full. Somebody here has got something you go, I don't know what to do. I want you to call on God, and I want you to come to God, and I want you to pray to God. How'd you come up with those ideas? It's his words. <laughs> How cool is that? And I want you to notice what it says in the next verse. Jeremiah 29, 13 goes on to say, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with a little bit of your heart. No. All. Now, I'm going to speak about me again. I have found me personally in my life, when I'm coasting, when I'm doing good, when the zeros are growing a little, when my kids are all rocking it out, I'm, I'm good, God. I, yeah, I could spend some time with you today, but I'm really, I'm, just, I'm good. I, I don't need time today like I normally do. It's called half-hearted kind of like come see come saw i'm not really into you today god <laughs> comfortableness brings this just look you say dan are you speaking for your own life no i'm speaking of the history of mankind when we get comfortable we get lax <laughs> and then a zinger hits us y'all know exactly what the prayer looks like lord i love you Oh, my heart. I don't know what I was thinking yesterday. I'm back. God's like, why don't you stay here with me? Like even when you're rocking and rolling and things are going really good, stay with me. Because you understand I gave you that too. It's all from him. You didn't do that on your own. It's the Lord. We're, we're seasonal, aren't we? We're up and down and God says, you will seek me, and you will find me when you're all in. I've been in the all-in spots. Lord, I, I, I'm done. If you don't come and help me here, 
I'm done. Good. That's where I love you to be, Dan. Because you're not in charge of anything anyway. Some of you in this room, hard time admitting it, but you're control freaks. You want to negotiate and control every situation in your house, at your work, with your kids. In fact, right now, if you lost control, you would be a wreck. And I can tell you as one who likes control and lost it all, that wreck taught me more about God's love for me than anything I've ever been through. It was in my brokenness, my unworthiness, my I'm a failureness, my my family's ruinedness, everybody's gotta be laughing at meanness. It was in that spot that said, Oh good, I can really work with you now because you're done with yourself. I don't like it. I wasn't planning on it. But it was when I was all in with the Lord that it happened. And today, I, I just want to kind of get ahead of the curve for a lot of you and say, go ahead and go all in. It's going to save you some time. Because life has a way of bringing moments that you don't know what to do. And sometimes they last way longer than we were planning on. And then look how, look how verse 14 continues. Watch this. I will be found by you. When I was first reading this going, what, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. That's, no, what you'd say is, and then you'll find me. No, no, that's not the way you wrote it. I will be found by you. You know what God's saying through that? I've been here all along. I've been waiting for you to look up to me. In other words, you finally recognize I'm God. That's what happens. He, he is not the one. God is not the one shifting from side to side. He's like, steady. And now you found that out. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. Now, remember, historically, we're speaking of the Israelites who were in Babylon, and he's saying to them, I'll bring you back. And I want you to notice this. I will gather you from all the nations and the places where I banished you. Whoa, wait, what? Lord, Lord, you actually send us sometimes to these places? Like, you're a good God and you're fair and just and right and you sometimes put me in a spot? Because, ready? Because he always has your best interest in mind. <laughs> I've sit in spots where I'm going, there is no way this is in my best interest. And God's like, well, probably need to stay there a little longer until you figure out it is. Shoot. And I've always discovered I've not had a circumstance in my life that it has not proven true that God was doing something really cool. And he's reminding me, at the end of all this, all that's going to matter is my relationship with him. It won't matter that I travel to Mount Zion. It won't matter what you think of my sermons. And there was a day, i got to say, early in my ministry, um, you know, a pastor's job, I said it last night, there's, there's a lot of performance goes with my job. I walk out here, pastor introduces me, some of you don't know me at all. I know what happened. In your mind, you're going, eh, I wonder how he'll good he'll be. Hey, he's decent. None of that matters. 
what will matter is that I was faithful, that I set an example for my kids and grandkids, even when I went through my junk, that my little nine-year-old grandson will grow up and go, Papa made it through his stuff. I guess I can too. The example. And God says, I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. I know. I know what's best for you. I got you. When I was working on this message, I um, was walking the beach in Florida, actually. And I was just, I had this verse, and I was looking at it, I had my phone, and then I just kind of had it in my head going, God, what do you, what's this verse really say? Like, if I had to take that verse, I read it over and over and over and over. And I was like, what are you saying to us in that verse? And two words came to me as I read it over and over and over. God is saying in this verse, come home. Just come home. You're running from me. You're trying so hard. You're filling all your voids with something else. Come home. Are you not sick and tired of yourself? Just come home. And the Israelites had to wait 70 years. And I look at you today and I go, just humble yourself before the Lord. Whatever your family situation is, your circumstance, your personal circumstance. Hey, 10-year-old in here today. Hey, hey, 10-year-old listening to me today. What are you dealing with? You go, I don't know how to deal with this. I say to you, take it to your creator. His name is God, Jesus Christ. He's got you. I can't explain all that. I'm asking you, go get to know him. You say, but I'm 10. Perfect. 40-year-old, sitting in here today, you'd love to go back to 10 because your life's been a wreck since then. And a lot of it is your own choice. Come home today. Somebody online. You have a booming online audience that's growing. I know there's people watch from all over the country. Speaking to your heart. Come home. I'm 62, and I'm trying to come home as hard as I ever have because I found out it's the most peaceful place. It's quiet in here. Let that quietness be a place where you say, I'm going to seek you with all my heart, Lord. Seek him. Turn to him. He said, I will listen. And I'll, I'll propose this thought to you. In my spots that I looked and I came up with every possible avenue to get out of this situation and there none of mine worked. God, I am amazed at the number of times he comes up with a path I didn't even think of because I spent time with him. And somebody listening today has passed yourself out. He has something. He is above us. He is creator. He can come up with solutions you don't even know exist. I've seen it. So I trust him.
Pastor Luke, will you join me up here on stage? This is your flock. I'm so privileged to serve underneath you, dude. We don't hardly ever see each other, but when we get together, it's like comrades. But it's because we fight for the Lord Jesus Christ together. And I want him to speak a word over you. You know, you know your people better than me, Luke. So today, would you just speak into their hearts? You know, I feel like people are wanting to make a, a commitment to the Lord today. And I'm going to ask Pastor Luke to lead you in what that commitment could look like. If you would, would you, would you bow your heads with me? Next Sunday, we will, we will regather. And the task at hand for me is to begin to prepare our hearts to celebrate the empty tomb. Because if the tomb is empty, then anything is possible. And we are starting a series that we are calling Same God. Because here's the reality. And this is what Dan just so beautifully unpacked for us. On the mountaintop is where we often experience the prosperity, the glory, the power, the blessing, the sovereignty, the authority of God. But in the valleys is often where we experience the mercy, the presence, the love, and the grace, and the healing of God. In each person within the sound of my voice, either you are on a mountaintop or you are in the valley or you are on some hillside in between. And what you need to hear me say this morning is that the same God that is on the mountaintop is the same God that meets you in the valley. And it is the same God that walks closely beside you on hill, every hill song, hillside along the way. So no matter what, no matter where you find yourself, there is hope because God desires to walk beside you. This morning, our altars, as always, they are open. And it would be my honor and our staff and our elders, it would be their honor to walk beside you and to pray with you. So no matter what, no matter where you find yourself this morning, May you be faithful in your response to what God is calling to you and what he is calling you to do in the closing moments. Each and every one of us this morning, we have a next step to take. May you have the courage to take that next step in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. May your praise not be left in that empty tomb no matter the heartache and no matter the weight that you find yourself under this morning, may you find yourself singing praise to the glorious name of Christ Jesus. So as we stand and as we worship together, would you come to the altar and let us pray with you and walk beside you and pray for you. So be faithful in the closing moments. Come, come.
Thanks for listening to the Mount Zion Wesleyan Church podcast. We hope this message has inspired you to take a next step in your walk with Jesus. For more messages or to watch our full worship gathering on demand, visit us online at mountzionwesleyan.com.